0: Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. So glad to be with you today on this program, a brand new week of The Core this week on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, and I'm here most days. I would say all, but that's not true. I'm here most days. Uh, I do have our, our good friend Rick Green over at Patriot Academy hosting a show on occasion. Couple of days a week, Rick Green sits in and hosts the show. Does a great job. He's an expert on the Constitution, on the founding of our country, and brings some great insight and perspective that, uh, admittedly, I don't always bring. And so Rick brings uh, that that viewpoint, that expertise uh, on the founding of our nation and our Constitution and the role of government, so on and so forth. So that's what Rick brings to the show, and we appreciate all that he does. Uh AFA and Rick Green and Patriot Academy, we've been partnering for years. I'm actually an alumni of Patriot Academy. I went back um, my senior year, I believe it was, heading into uh, senior year of high school, heading into my freshman year of college. And I uh, went over to Austin, Texas, went through their national Patriot Academy track, graduated from that, became an alumni. And uh, we've been partnering with Rick Green since then. For the last, I don't know, six to seven years promoting his work, and he's been promoting the work of AFA, and it's just been a great partnership. So we appreciate the uh, the work of our good friend Rick Green. It's so needed. You know, what Rick is doing through Patriot Academy is he's ra- raising up the next generation of leaders. He's training them on our founder- founding fathers. He's training them on our founding documents. He's training them on how to be leaders, how to be patriots. And that's a good thing, and so we need more Uh, more young people that can be leaders in society. And, you know, Patriot Academy isn't just training our next governor or our next mayor. They're also training our next business leaders. And so that's what's going on over there at Patriot Academy, headed up by Rick Green. Well, we are um, going to have on M.D. Perkins later in the show. We're going to have on M.D. Perkins to talk about his latest book published by AFA, American Family Association called dangerous affirmation the threat of quote unquote gay Christianity, uh, and this 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 highlights the threat of what's what's the public, what the uh, what some call gay Christianity the threat that that um, holds against God's people and the Word of God. So we'll talk with N.D. Perkins about that uh, later in the show. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, M.D. is a research fellow of church and culture at American Family Association. He's also uh, produced the award-winning documentary, The God Who Speaks, and In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. So those those are two AFA documentaries that you are familiar with, or at least many of you are. And so that is uh, M.D. Perkins' background. So we'll have him on to talk about his latest book, Dangerous Affirmation, the Threat of Gay Christianity. Later on in the core, well, we are in uh, Psalm chapter thirty-four. Psalm chapter thirty-four, and we Christianity when when you say the word Christianity today, and, and this is probably true throughout human history, uh, New Testament history, but are the are the New Testament church? This is probably true. You know, so this is not a a novel problem. But when you say Christianity and you ask people, well, how, how do, what do you say about Christianity? How do you define Christianity or how do you define a Christian? You're probably, if you ask, you know, a random group of people, you're probably going to get all kinds of different answers and you might even get different answers within people within a group of people who all claim the name of Christ and 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 that 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 brings us to the conclusion or the assessment that if you can get different answers and once again that there's not uh <laughs> multiple truths here all right there's one truth capital T but If you can get differing answers on, well, what is Christianity? What does the Bible say about the issues of our day? The issues that we face as uh, humans? Then you're you're definitely going to get conflicting answers when you start breaking down the issues that Scripture talks about, the issues that Christianity addresses from God's perspective, from God's point of view, you're definitely going to get differing answers when you start breaking things down and talking about issue by issue by issue. And one of the issues that is really there's a lot of, of false teaching within the body of Christ, within people who claim to be Christians, is that uh, uh, the 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 false teaching or the misleading teaching is is called what we call today the prosperity gospel which the prosperity gospel is really no gospel at all. But, it, but it's a teaching, a modern teaching, and that claims that if you believe in God, that if you profess Christ, that all will go well for you. Well, what does that mean, all will go well for you? Well, their definition, those who promote this prosperity gospel, they say, well, all will go well for you in all areas of life. Well, we know that's not true. Look at the early church. Look in Scripture. Let's look at the Bible. Look at the early church and all the affliction that they had. Think about all the turmoil and the trials that they went through. Look at Christ himself. Look how he suffered. So to think that believing in God and following and professing Christ equals no trials, no difficulty, and no trouble on this earth, boy, is that naive, and boy, is that wrong. And so we look in Psalm chapter 34, so I wanted to set that up. You look in Psalm chapter 34, listen to what David says. Listen to what David says. Psalm chapter 34, verse 19. Let's look at uh, 19 through 22. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not many are the afflictions of the wicked. No, many are the afflictions of the righteous. These are people that follow God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Are them all, it says. He keeps all his bones, talking about the righteous. The righteous that, the righteous man that is afflicted, well, it says in verse 20, he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked. See how things turn there? And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So there's a lot we could unpack here, but what I want us to take from this is that verse 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so as, as, as believers, as Christians, as New Testament believers, we will have affliction. We will have trial. We will be tempted. We will sin. Um, but it says at, at, at the latter part of verse 19, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so let's not be, let's not be deceived into thinking that the Christian life is one of no difficulties and troubles. Uh, some of the most godly people in Scripture uh, experience the most difficulty and so uh, God puts us through trials he puts us through situations um, that are difficult that are challenging that are trying uh, but he does that only to draw us closer to himself and to further sanctify us at all for his glory and his purpose so the Christian life is not one of ease not one of no uh, friction or affliction uh, but one of trial one of difficulty and one of struggle uh, but the end of our struggle is eternal glory. So let's remember that as we continue to represent Christ. Well, moving into some of our stories today that I wanted to get to, the um, the issue of 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 human sexuality and the, really the the assault on God's design is ever around us. But um, this story that I brought up last week, there's a little more to it than I brought up. You know, I covered the uh, Boston Children's Hospital. And their YouTube video where they touted the uh, what they called gender affirming care and so on and so forth, and it's terrible for the human body, terrible for young people to go through this "quote unquote" gender affirming care. But they went further, and I, I guess this is a series of videos they put out. So there, there was another video that I came across. From another doctor at Boston Children's Hospital, and this video takes a little different route, but it's all hovering around the same issue and 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 what this doctor said in this video that we're about to play is she says that well, um even young toddlers can uh they can pick their gender they can their gender can be fluid, they can pick their gender they can do whatever they want to do what who you're about to hear in this video. Is um, let's see. Her name is Jeremy Carswell. She's an MD over at uh, Boston Children's Hospital. Let's listen to, uh, let's listen to this Boston Children's Hospital clip.
2: A child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids they knew from the minute they were born, practically and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings clothing, uh, playing with the, quote, opposite gender, toys, things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that they are that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be Treated.
0: that's a uh, folks that's not a that's not a Facebook group with 20 followers that's not someone you know who got their their medical license 30 years ago and they've gone rogue you know they've got three followers that is Boston Boston's Children, Children's Hospital that is Boston Children's Hospital and that is a doctor an MD with Boston Children's Hospital, claiming that toddlers, she said at the beginning of the video, toddlers immediately know, can often media, immediately know if they are transgender or not. And then she went through all the examples of ways they display themselves. Anyone who has raised children, number one, there's no such thing as transgender. All right, so so the whole premise of this evil, wicked movement is built on a falsehood that there is such thing as transgender. There's not. There's male and female, and you can't go back and forth between the two. And there's nothing in between. There's nothing in between. And there's nothing on the other side of the other side. There's male and female, all right? So, the premise of this entire wicked movement is built on a falsehood that you can be, that you're born, and then you just pick whatever you want to be as it relates to human sexuality. No, that's not true. There's male and female. But anybody who's raised children knows that children do all kinds of things, they say all kinds of things. That doesn't mean we should foster, embrace, and push a wicked movement upon our children because they may be confused for a small window of their childhood. There are even adults who get confused and who struggle. That doesn't mean we should foster that, embrace that, and push upon them confusion, wickedness, and destruction. We must conform to... To God's design for human sexuality. That is the only answer, conformity to God's design. Be back in a few.
3: Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Today, some professing Christians assert that critical theory. Critical race theory and intersectionality are helpful tools for the church. These people have an appearance of godliness, but their assertions deny the sufficiency of God's word to guide the church in living out the reconciliation Jesus secured for us on the cross. Make no mistake, as Paul told Timothy, the God breathed scripture is sufficient for teaching, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Those who have an appearance of godliness, but denied the power of God's Word for doctrine and practice must be identified and avoided. Listen each
1: weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Raising Godly the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
4: How does your girl handle stress or catastrophe? She might immediately look to you to see how you're handling that situation. She might succumb to the flight response, running to hide. These reactions are perfectly normal for young girls and even divinely designed. But how do we train her to handle hard things well? In the 1841 hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, Adam's tune echoes of a peace in the midst of life's storms, definitely not one from within human hearts. The peace in this hymn is a direct outflow of our walk with Christ. In the minutiae of stressful seasons, hold your girl's hand moment by moment in prayer and even him singing until the day when she's able to release your hand and walk her own path through times of difficulty.
3: We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. to one easy monthly payment. That way I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt free for keeps. Wow, do you still have their number? Sure, here, write this down and call 1-800-788-1813. Can you repeat that? 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813.
1: AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. So glad to have you with us today on the program. I failed to mention last segment, but I'm going to get it in now. And that is we are live streaming the uh, video on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net streaming.afa.net, that's the URL. Go ahead and uh, land there on the URL. You can log in. You'll be prompted to log in, or if you don't have an account, you can create one. takes you just a couple minutes. All you need is an email and a password. You can create an account on our streaming platform and watch AFA at the Core free of charge. Uh, anytime we are broadcasting live, you can watch AFA at the Core on our brand-new Brand new is in November, 2021 streaming platform, but the live feature is quite brand new. The live feature has been up about a week or two. I think August one was the launch date of our live feature on our streaming platform. So not only can you watch past content, but now you can actually watch uh, broadcast and productions as they take place. So right now we are live streaming uh, on our video platform, streaming.afa.net. We do uh we do push the video out on Facebook as well, AFA at the Core's Facebook page. We uh, push the video out there each, each day that we broadcast. So there's two options there. Uh, you can pick which one you want uh, uh, to take, take part in. So we uh, push out the video on our streaming platform and on the Facebook page. And, of course, we publish the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just type in AFA at the Core or type in my name, and you can click the subscribe button, and then uh, the podcast will land right there. Uh, on your mobile device on your tablet uh whenever you or whenever we push it out after each day's live program well during the break uh Bobby and I were talking and uh, and just this, this scripture came to mind uh when we were uh during the break but uh, on the heels of discussing the Boston Children's Hospital and how the do- I just played the clip of the doctor saying that you know uh toddlers can pick their gender they can do whatever they want they can be transgender so on and so forth and Romans one came to mind. Listen to this. Tell me if this does not describe our generation. And by the way, this does counter the the talking point or the narrative that well, you know, humanity is in its in its worst place that it's ever been. You know, you have people say that even Christians they say this. I've never never seen anything like this. And well, okay, maybe in America we are at a, an unprecedented place morally and and, and from a moral bankruptcy standpoint in this country we we are we are making history every day and not in a good way but but let's look at that things from a world perspective all right from a world perspective uh, uh, looking at all of God's creation all of human history Paul wrote this Romans chapter 1 Paul was writing this uh, this is in the days of the early church listen to Romans 1 this is just a few verses here Romans 1 starting at verse 21 For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. Verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles, etc., etc., Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So the sin problem has been around. It will always be around until Jesus returns, until final judgment. The sin problem will always be around. And so as the body of Christ, we must continue to be salt and light. We must continue to share truth um, and, and apply scripture. That's our, our motto over at Engage Magazine, actually, share truth, Apply scripture well. On a positive note, I came across a story out of the state of Florida, and um, this is uh, having to do with Medicare funds being uh, allocated or distributed within the state of Florida. Listen to this story: uh, Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration has reportedly finalized rules that prevent healthcare providers from billing the state's Medicaid program for gender-affirming medical treatments. Politico reported on Thursday that the agency added new language to the Medicaid program rules, stating that it would not cover services for the treatment of gender dysphoria, including sex reassignment surgery, puberty blockers, or hormone therapies. Uh, The uh, news news report said that the language will take effect on August 21st, so... This is some encouraging news out of the state of Florida. So Florida, uh, the state agency that that handles, that manages, that administers um, Medicare and uh, Medicaid funds within the state of Florida, look, they've said we're, we're passing a rule. We're not, we're not reimbursing these horrendous non uh, unnecessary, non-medical, procedures that destroy the bodies of young people. We're not reimbursing this. We're not taking part in this. We're not funding it. We're not administering it. Uh, So good for them. So they're, um, I talk about the sanctity of life. That's, this is, the sanctity of life issue is all encompassing. And um, uh, Florida's uh, state uh, health agency is actually protecting human life, protecting how they were designed. And so good for uh, the state of Florida—they're pushing back against this uh, gender dysphoria and this transgender insanity. Well, um, uh, I talked uh, extensively within the last two weeks about this inflation. What's called the Inflation Reduction Act, and it's—it's it's very laughable. We—we we broke down why, you know, it's—it's it's the majority of the bill is about the Green New Deal, and it's about you know, taxing the middle class, so on and so forth, expanding the IRS. It's not about reducing inflation. We brought to you the report about it, um, uh, about why it doesn't reduce inflation because spending more money during, during, um, uh, an, uh, uh, an inflationary period, uh, does the opposite. It actually makes inflation worse. Well, uh, clip six here this is a democrat uh, jamie raskin democrat representative jamie raskin he's taking questions outside the capitol and, and one of the reporters says well what part of the bill do you think will put to work uh lowering on lowering inflation specifically <laughs> let's listen to clip six
5: as soon as the act goes into uh effect I hope that all of the provisions will begin to work. I am. Uh, I, I know that those who've been blaming President Biden for the inflation going up are now giving President Biden all the credit for inflation going down. So we're moving things in the right direction already. Yeah, and what parts of the bill do you think will will quickly work on
0: that specifically?
5: The, the, I, next question.
0: <laughs> so let me let me get my talking points out, and then next question. Next question. <laughs> I don't know who the reporter was, but the reporter said, you know what, this is, folks, this is, not, this is not hard stuff. They want to make it difficult. This is not hard stuff. The reporter simply questioned the Democrat representative what parts of the bill specifically will reduce inflation and when will that begin to take place? So if you vote on legislation and you're out here outside of Congress talking about it, then you ought to be able to answer that. This is not complex stuff. This is not trigonometry. This is, when will your bill begin to help the American people? Answer the question, please. And he says, no, 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 next question. And the reality is, this is not going to help inflation. As a matter of fact, I would argue that this bill has pretty much nothing to do with inflation. It has pretty much nothing to do with inflation. And now they're they're out bragging about all the tax credits, all the, the green energy tax credits you're going to get from this bill. <laughs> I read a report where one of the tax credits is like, I think it's 7,500 bucks if you buy an electric vehicle. So you buy an electric vehicle for like 60, 70, 80,000 bucks. You wait like seven months to get it because everything's on back order. And, uh, you can write it off as a tax credit. That's, that's what part of this bill has to do with supposedly. And, um, Then, then, then the same, the same news story talked about how recently, um, a Ford, at least Ford corporation has raised the price of their electric vehicle truck by 8,500 bucks. So we pass a tax credit for $7,500 for buying an electric vehicle. And then one of the electric vehicle companies raises the price of the electric vehicle by 8,500 dollars. Okay, so that puts the American taxpayer, the American consumer, 1000 bucks in the hole. Do the math there. 8500 7500 So what is this really about? I mean, was this like some kind of corporate buyout? Is this some kind of corporate welfare bill disguised as Green New Deal, expanded IRS to go after the rich and the wealthy? I mean, it, it may turn out that this bill actually doesn't do anything that it claims to do. It may turn out that this legislation doesn't do anything that they claim uh, that it will do, but that just shows how powerful uh, the narrative makers are. All the people with uh, uh, your CNN, your MSNBCs, your Democrat National Convention, your Democrat National Party, all these microphones, all these mediums come together and just push these narratives, and uh, thankfully not everyone buys it, but some people do. Some people do, unfortunately. So this legislation had little to do uh, with inflation and everything to do with the Green New Deal, uh, with the destruction of America's energy sector and uh, tax credits uh, for the Green New Deal and actually uh, taxing the middle class. And we covered that last week. All the the vast majority of, of income classes will uh, see higher taxes as a result of this legislation. Um, let's see. I do have... <clears throat> um a report out of florida another report out of florida this is a cnn interview and i wanted to cover this because um the um uh, there's a lot of people that are a lot of uh, republican senators and congressmen that are going to bat for the fbi here regarding this uh, mar-a-lago raid and um you know uh even uh christopher ray the fbi director put out a statement you know how dare anyone attack the fbi um uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland had a press conference. How dare anyone attack the FBI and the Department of Justice? We're just we're upholding the rule of law. No one is above the law. That's their famous talking point. No one is above the law. <laughs> That's laughable. No one is above the law unless you're a Democrat or the son or the daughter of a Democrat. No one is above the law. Um, but listen to this. So, so this is a clip of a CNN interview. It's really a CNN debate at the end of the day. And there's this uh, congressional candidate in the state of Florida that is running uh, running for office, this is a candidate in Florida, and he put out a, a statement or, or an ad talking about how we need to defund the FBI as a result of all these scandals and corruption and so forth. Well, CNN just couldn't take it, so they sent a reporter down there, a so-called journalist, to interview this candidate and listen to the combativeness, listen to the debate between CNN and this uh, candidate for public office in Florida, clip five. In Florida, how's it going? Ultra Mega Republican,
5: Florida State Representative Anthony Sabatini, is trying to take right wing outrage one step further. If it was up to me, I would totally defund the FBI. I'm Anthony Sabatini. He's running for Congress in Florida's seventh district and has been making the rounds on far right media after writing a tweet saying sever all ties with DOJ immediately. And any FBI agent conducting law enforcement functions outside the purview of our state should be arrested upon sight. Common sense. Because? <laughs> well, because uh, what they're doing is unlawful. It's time to actually start protecting the rights of Floridians under the Tenth Amendment and push back against a lawless federal government. Right now, today, in Florida, FBI agents are chasing down bank robbers, okay, organized yep. criminals, okay. yep. attacking cyber crime in this state. Gotcha. Helping local law enforcement. Yeah. You yeah, don't think so there's an any illogic- value in that? It's an illogic- illogical argument. The FBI at this point is totally useless. We need to defund it and you let red no states. You have no idea what the value of the FBI is. Yes, I do. <laughs> is a former president just above the law no matter what? The or- FBI is not above the-, the law. If I'm saying they followed the law, which they did, mm-hmm. to enter into that home, should that just not be allowed? The president. The former president is above the law. He's a political target. He's being harassed by a but lawless, think he's rogue above the law. agency he's not, it's that's not a, a lawless they agency. They spied on him. They have no respect for you him. No they hate the conservatives. They hate re- the Republicans. Wouldn't it be prudent to wait and see what the facts are before <laughs> we have, have such a facts. draconian
0: statement? We out? have enough facts. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I'm not defending all of this uh, state representative who's running for Congress. I'm not defending all of his positions here. Because I actually don't know what all he believes in. This is just, I'm putting this in a, let's just isolate this this topic, all right, to this, the FBI, DOJ, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this, this is more about how CNN is handling this. This is more about how CNN is handling this. So first off, you have this journalist who's interviewing this guy, and he's arguing with him during the interview. And so this is not about, this is not a typical journalism. This is a debate between CNN and this uh this uh Congress a uh, congressional candidate from Florida. But listen to all of the scandals. Listen to all of the hoaxes that have been pushed by the Clinton, Obama, Biden crew. All right, this is all of their shenanigans. Listen to this. This is 12 scandals, 12 falsehoods that they've promoted, pushed and perpetrated upon the American people. Number one, the Russia collusion hoax. Russia, Russia, Russia. The Russia paying bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. We talked about that on the show. Russia paying bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. Debunked. Trump called neo-Nazis, quote, very fine people. Debunked. Trump suggested drinking, injecting bleach to fight COVID. Debunked. By the way, somebody put this list together, so this is not original to me. Mm. Trump cleared protesters with tear gas for a Bible photo op. Debunked. Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. Debunked. Elections were fair because no court found major fraud. Debunked. January 6th was an insurrection to overthrow the government. Debunked. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the beast. Debunked. Border Patrol agents whipped illegal border crossers. Debunked. The reason people have doubt, the pe- reason people are resulting to this quote unquote extreme rhetoric of defund the FBI, dismantle the FBI, restructure the FBI, is because this group of people at the FBI and this group of political elites over the last 30 years have been running hoax after hoax after hoax and destroying the life of anyone who dares to go up against the status quo. That's why people like this uh, congressional candidate hold these views. AFA at the core, be back in a few.
1: What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch it's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up, MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch. And start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE.
5: Prenatal tests. They aren't accurate. This is Ken Ham, author of the eye-opening book, Six Days and Church Compromise. Some women choose to have prenatal genetic tests done while they're pregnant. Now, these tests claim to reveal if a baby is at risk of being born with a rare genetic disorder. Well, such tests are only about 85% accurate at best. And yet many parents, often at the advice of a doctor, decide to end their child's life based on these tests. But even if the tests were always right, would it be okay to abort the baby? Absolutely not. That baby is a person made in God's image. Just as we would be horrified if a family killed a toddler who became disabled, so we should be horrified at the thought of killing an unborn child with a disability.
1: Discover Answers when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. And subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you go to AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
0: Welcome back to the core here on American family radio. Glad to be with you on the program. Hey, for those who watch on AFA streaming or watch on Facebook and they're like, what is Walker drinking in studio every day? Well, I'm actually drinking American family coffee and, uh, you know, I've been drinking my coffee too slow when I still have coffee left at the end of the show. So that's my problem. It's a little bit cold now. Um, But we do have American Family (laughs) Coffee. Uh, That was a nice plug, though. I liked it a lot. Yeah, well, I figured out how how to plug American Family Coffee while I'm drinking it. So um, (laughs) uh, you can order American Family Coffee on our resource center, resources.afa.net. You can get American Family Coffee. We've got a plethora of blends, of flavors. Ooh, that word again. Yeah, I had to figure out how to plug it. Um, So you can go to resources.afa.net. Well, another thing you can find on resources.afa.net. See how I did this, Bobby? That was nice. (laughs) Is uh, Dangerous Affirmation, the Threat of Gay Christianity by our very own M.D. Perkins. We have M.D. in studio with us now. Uh, He's a senior fellow of of Church and Culture. Also produced uh, two documentaries, The God Who Speaks and In His Image. Thanks, M.D., for coming in happy
4: to be with you Walker
0: well MD this is uh, this is critical and for those who wa- who are watching this topic is critical rather uh, for those who are watching I do have the book uh, in studio uh, with me that that MD and I are talking about but the, the title is dangerous affirmation the threat of gay Christianity and uh, uh, MD the the uh, documentary uh, or the docu uh, documentary is probably a proper term in yeah. his in his image uh, you you guys and in, in his image you 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 uh, put, you tipped your feet in, or you, you, you touched on this <laughs> yeah. briefly in In His Image, but we're limited on a documentary. Uh, we only have so much time to include so much content. So this really dangerous affirmation of the threat of gay Christianity really just opens the door and fully covers this issue of human sexuality and how the church is addressing it. So tell us how you came to this uh, writing of the book.
4: Yeah, well, it, it, it very much has to do with working on In His Image, the documentary, you know like you said, there's so many different facets to that topic of of the overall LGBT movement, then there's what does the scripture say, and then there's how has the church responded, and then how can we be uh, compassionate and loving to those who are struggling, and all those kinds of questions we wanted to deal with in the documentary. And so at some point during the the research phase, I started to take on this topic of just, how do we understand the way that the church has responded to this overall movement and the infiltration that has come into the church? through the gay affirming movement and some of the, the more recent movements that are happening, like the revoice movement and mm. things like that. So as I began to just put all that information together for, for kind of our own uh, reference as, uh, as documentarians, I started to share that with some of the leadership. You know, you saw some of it, Ed and, and Buddy and some of the others saw different parts of that. And, and we all started to feel like, well, AFA really needs to address this full-on, because the documentary, like you said, we can only focus on that, you know, for three or four minutes of the whole documentary runtime, Mm -hmm. where there's so many complex and detailed pieces of information that Christians need to understand in order to be equipped to have these conversations, to see the ways that things are arising within their own churches or denominations or even questions they get from friends and loved ones. So that's how it came about.
0: Yeah, and and really... Deconstructing, if that's that's the word you want to use, this the the myth of or the falsehood of gay Christianity, and it's okay to embrace sin while claiming the name of Christ, and you can extrapolate that and apply it to any any sin. But in this scenario, we're talking about human sexuality, uh, MD. But one thing that I think makes this so important is that it's one thing for the church to say one thing and then the culture or the world or the unbelievers to say another thing and then here we are with two uh, competing belief systems and then you just as a, as an individual you have to pick which side you fall on but here the the body of Christ is attempting uh, some are attempting to bring clarity to this issue to speak truth into culture on this issue so that the unbelievers can understand what does God's Word say um, but it's so disappointing md to see that there there has to be and there is confusion even within the body of christ on this issue
4: oh absolutely i mean even you know the subtitle for the book is the threat of gay christianity i think a lot of people might wince at even that that title because it feels so confrontational and, and i did that on purpose you know mm-hmm. because i want people to understand that there is an actual spiritual threat here and it, it's impacting all kinds of people it's impacting just kind of your average person who's sitting in the pew who reads the bible thinks they understand it but then they're hearing kind of these conflicting things it's impacting people who are struggling with sexual identity and some of these sexuality and gender questions you know because it begins to offer these affirmations of like well you don't you don't have to deal with that part uh, you don't have to deal with this question, you know, because God made you this way and it's fine. Or mm. you just kind of need to find this different path through it. It's impacting pastors who are being forced into silence to not even address the, the topic. And so like everybody is being impacted, youth especially, you know, I mean, all the all the different stats that are coming out about uh, youth identification with different parts of the LGBTQ plus spectrum mm. and the growing numbers that are affected there. So You know, even if you're in a denomination or a church background where you feel like these questions are not being dealt with at the official level, Mm. yeah, that might be true. But Downstream, you're still being impacted by these questions because all it takes is somebody to pose a question on social media. Well, were David and Jonathan actual homosexual lovers? Because mm. it says that he preferred the company of Jonathan to his wife, you know. Wow. And so you're like, well, I, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that as a Christian. You know, I've never heard a sermon on that issue before. And before you know it, little seeds of doubt have been planted. And if given enough time, those will slowly erode the confidence that people have in the scriptures and the Christian teaching and worldview that. They've had since their youth.
0: You know um, one thing, and I know you talk about this some in the book, but uh, one uh, disappointment, one one just you know it just heart it sads my heart, but the how how believers, Christians who speak out um, with good intentions, with good motives on this issue, are labeled all kinds of things, all kinds of they're, they're deplatformed, they're called bigots. Um they say well you you must not love people um to t- talk to talk to the audience about how you can hold a biblically accurate a a biblically consistent view on the issue of human sexuality on the issue of homosexuality uh and still be um in line with God's word on how we should love people i mean those two things Really, when you look at Scripture, those two things do not conflict.
4: Right. That's one of the false dichotomies that loves to get thrown out is like to say that Christians are somehow bigoted or homophobic just because of the theology that they hold or what the Scripture says on this. And like you have this antiquated theology that's really harmful to people, you know, but the whole concept even of homophobia is one that was born out of this, uh, this attempt well, initially, it was just a psychological attempt to describe people who were fearful of being in the same room with someone who identified as a homosexual, and then it got latched onto by the by LGBT activists and got turned into this kind of boogeyman term to describe, you know, something akin to racism, mm. you know. Yeah. And so it, it got very politicized. It's been that
0: toxic. In that way, yeah.
4: I mean, you know, the term came up in like 1973 and then, you know, within a few years it was already being used as a weapon against Christians. But yeah, there, there is not any inconsistency between holding to what the scripture says about sexuality and in particular, you know, the scriptural condemnations of homosexuality, which is called an abomination, it's called a dishonorable passion, mm. you know, and all of those things. Like it, it's recognized for the sin that it is. But you can still have have a loving response to somebody who says that they have embraced that lifestyle or even that they're struggling with it or however that is being talked about but you know at the same time you know we we have to define these things biblically you know mm. one of the biblical uh, definitions of love from first corinthians 13 is that love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth mm. and so as christians we have to hold to what the truth of god's word says and then we can reach out in love and compassion to those around us. So part of what the purpose of this book is, is to describe this overall movement, some of the, the ways in which churches are being impacted, perhaps without them even realizing it, so that we are equipped to then address some of these issues at a personal, individual level, as well as at the more systemic levels of change You know that we want to see within our denominations. And then how do we address things as a society? Because it's actually not loving to our neighbor for gay marriage to be legal mm. because now it normalizes homosexuality in a way that it didn't before it was legal. Yes. So for us to start to embrace these things as a culture and a society is actually actually detrimental to all of us. Yes. And even our believers. Yeah, especially. especially the person who's struggling, you know, because now they're just affirmed and kind of built up in that in that wrong idea and in that wrong behavior.
0: Yeah, government plays a role in uh, in shaping the way people think. Uh, look th- throughout all of human history, and you can see that. Hey, folks, we have in with us M.D. Perkins. Uh, if you're watching on streaming.afa.net or on Facebook, I do have a copy of the book here in studio with me, so you can get a sneak peek at the cover. Uh, By the way, this is available. We're not going to just have MD on and tease his book and not tell you where you can get it. We're not that cruel. Uh, You can go over to resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net, and right there at the homepage under Featured Products, uh, you'll see Dangerous Affirmations, the Threat of Gay Christianity. Um, MD, how did—this is a loaded question, and we won't finish it in this show, in this segment— But how has homosexuality come to be accepted and even celebrated within churches and not only in America, but around the world?
4: Well, it started by just compromising on very core issues related to marriage and family, Um, you know, issues like divorce and things like that. Overall, the sexual revolution played a very strong role. It started to change the whole perception that people had about sexuality, start to identify as sexual beings, and sexual identity started to become more of a feature. And then those things just kind of played out as the political sort of arms of the of the overall gay rights movement were happening in the 60s and 70s. Then those almost immediately had implications within the mainline denominational churches where they were... You know within a few years debating issues of sexuality and whether uh, someone who identified as a homosexual could be ordained as clergy within the church mm. that was happening in 1970 you know and so you just you play that out over a long enough period of time and if people aren't rooted and grounded in the truth you know if people aren't biblically literate about what the bible teaches yeah. then it it makes you susceptible to all of these things because then all of these kind of categories of sexuality start to be defined by what secular psychology says about Mm. it rather than what the scripture says. And Christians want to find a way to accommodate parts of the world within their worldview and don't allow the scripture to define it fully. And once you start to do that, you open up all kinds of ways in which all kinds of errors. This isn't the only error facing the church or the only issue facing it, but it is something that people need to be aware of. And to take it a little more seriously, even than we've taken it in recent years. Yeah,
0: but I I, w- I do think it's fair to say that this is the issue of our day. Yeah. Uh, the church throughout human history um, has gone through different struggles, different trials as as a as a whole. But this, at least in American culture, uh, this is just so pervasive, and 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 everywhere you turn the corner, uh, just seems like it's right there in front of your face. Um, uh, once again, we're talking to MD Perkins about his latest book, "Dangerous Affirmation: The Threat of Gay Christianity." Um, within the church um m d we have to one thing that that I appreciate about this project in his image and and other projects that aFA has done is that not only do we speak truth to culture and culture includes unbelievers, the lost the world as a whole uh, but we also speak truth into the into the body of Christ because that's important. Uh, because we've got to uphold God's standard, we have to keep our integrity on God's standard. Otherwise, uh, we lose as as the body of Christ as a whole. We begin to lose credibility because we're not following and we're not adhering to the very Word of God. So it's so important uh, that we that we maintain um, our proper view of God's Word. What does His Word say about the issues? So that we can then, with credibility, speak to larger culture.
4: Yeah, you know it's interesting, Walker. It, it was in 1955 that the first book was written by a Christian ethicist that questioned the biblical teaching on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. 1955 wow. in Britain. Within a handful of years, there were then denominational questions about uh, because there were a few more books that were released, and then there were a handful of questions that started to emerge about. And the statement was always made: well, scholars are are mixed on this issue, or scholars are not in complete agreement. Well, they were only a handful of years prior. Mm. But suddenly, once that doubt is introduced, then people start to latch hold of it. And Satan, so,
0: takes advantage, Satan takes advantage of it. Exactly.
4: And so it didn't take very long for all of kind of this unified voice of the church on the, on the issues of sexuality to suddenly be, you know, picked at and start to crumble just from a handful of skeptical scholars that decided to step into the arena and say, no, we don't think that the Bible actually is saying this in that way that you've always thought it did." Mm.
0: Well, every every thought, every word, every idea needs to be tested against the Word of God, uh, and that's what we, we aim to do here at American Family Association. So, the book we're uh, we're offering today, and you can actually go and buy this right now uh, on our Resource Center, is uh, "Dangerous Affirmation: of The Threat of Gay Christianity." Um, got a couple endorsements. Uh, MD on the back. Uh, Jim Garlow says, "Dangerous Affirmation will clean out the muddled thinking and replace it with biblical and factual." reality. Uh, our very own uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard says, M.D. Perkins has written the, de- the definitive expose of the gay Christianity uh, movement. So this is a must uh, read for our audience here uh, to just help you understand how we got here, where we are, and what the church must do to continue to defend uh, the word of God as it relates to uh, human sexuality and specifically Uh, Homosexuality. Hey, uh, MD. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Walker. All right, folks. There you have it. Uh, Go to our resource center, resources.afa.net. Go ahead and order uh, your copy of Dangerous Affirmations, uh, written by our very own MD Perkins. AFA at the core. Glad to have you with us today on the program. We'll see you next time.